0: Gina's doing that. Thank you, Gina. So Hannah, that includes you, kiddo. Go with Gina. Yeah. Mm. All right. Thank you, Gina. Um, All right. So this morning we're going to be taking a break from our series going through first Timothy and I believe Eric will jump back on that once uh, once we get through Easter here and so this morning I am fulfilling my uh, internally duties to uh, come up here and preach once a quarter and I'm going to begin us off on a new series called the Road to Calvary and essentially what we're going to be doing is um, I'm going to start out the uh, with this week and we're gonna make a path and take a little journey to the cross on Easter and so Um, Like I said, I'm going to be starting that, and what I like to do when I preach is I like to read the whole text we're going to be uh, preaching through or going through this morning, and then I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer. I'm going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Starting in verse 12, it says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there was no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that uh, we can come before you and open up your word and learn about uh, you, to learn about your plan, to learn about uh, your goodness and your grace, and also just about ourselves. And I pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears wherever we are today. That you would uh, give us ears to hear and hearts to listen and learn and be changed and grow through the preaching of your word this morning. I love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> this is my smartphone. Um, I uh, use this thing for a lot of different things. I listen to music, I listen to audiobooks. Surprise, surprise, I communicate with people on it. You know, phone calls, text messages, Facebook, Snappy Chat, all those other many, many, many different ways of communicating with people. I do that with this device. Um, I'm also, my personality is, I'm the type of person who's very, like, I'm very careful with my expensive devices because I know that I paid for them and if I lose them or something happens to them, like, I'm in trouble. And so I pride myself in saying that I never, I almost never dropped my phone. I've dropped it once or twice. And I almost, I've never, ever lost my phone, ever, until yesterday. Okay. <laughs> and, and so yesterday um, was a particularly long day, and, and I'll give you the shortened version of it. But essentially what happened was is, uh, my wife, and the reason she's not here this morning, She was experiencing a lot of pain in her side, and it was all the symptoms—or so it seemed—all the symptoms of uh, appendicitis. I almost forgot the word, but I remembered. Um, And and so I take her to the hospital here in town. It's blizzarding now, and uh, you know the doctors there, like, yeah, it looks like that's pretty much what it is. You should probably get her to have her because she's probably going to need surgery if it is in fact appendicitis. And you know, again, it's blizzarding out, as you all know. And so I getting ready to go and in in the in the rush to get all of this stuff ready to go to have her, I lost my phone. And I again I never, I never lose my phone. Never, never happens. And and so I'm driving down the road and I go, oh, I need to call so and so oh, and it's not in my pocket. Did I leave it in my coat pocket maybe? Honey, can you reach back behind the car and, and grab my coat and see if I may put them at nope, it's not in there. I look at my watch. My watch is connected to my phone, and as it turns out, my watch isn't connected to my phone anymore. It'll tell you that. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. That means the phone is not in this car anywhere. I've lost my phone. Um, And, you know, (laughs) this happens sometimes, right? So as it turns out, sometimes in life, I'm, uh, I'm reminded that I am a fallible human person who sometimes loses things despite me trying really hard not to. And really, to brag, up until that point, I never had until yesterday. And if you're wondering, my wife did not have appendicitis. She's actually fine. It turned out she had a viral infection thingy that was actually giving her the same symptoms as appendicitis, but she's good. She's recovering at home right now. I think she's watching. Hi, honey. Um, she's she's doing great. And and so we're jumping into this new series, and I'm going to be opening up to Romans 5. And as you could probably tell when I read through the whole text, there's a lot there, Right? Like there's a lot of words, a lot of very Paul-type things for Paul to say because Romans is written by the Apostle Paul, and he, I mean, he likes his run-on sentences, right? Like he just, he'll go on and on and on and on and on. And, and so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack this text, and we're going to begin on our road to Calvary, and we're going to talk about sin, and we're going to talk about Adam, not Adam pool in the back, but Adam in Genesis, all right? And and so, as we do that, a few things we need to remember about the book of Romans as a whole is that it was written by Paul, obviously. he's Essentially, what he does in the book of Romans is he's articulating the gospel out, and he's arguing it. And who he's talking to, in particular, are Jews and Gentiles, because in Rome, in that day, they were, they were fighting amongst each other. And so, what he did is wrote out this letter to be like, all right, here's the gospel, here's what it means, Here's who it affects, both Jew and Gentile, and that's what he does throughout this whole book as he's explaining the gospel. In uh, chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3, verse 20, in fact, he argues about the certainty and universality of our condemnation, right? If you go back and read the beginning, all the way to verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 20, he talks about we're sinners, right? We stand before God condemned. That's the first part. And then the beautiful next part, 321 through 511, he talks about the certainty of our justification in Christ. He talks about the gospel. He talks about the law of God and how the gospel is better than the law. And he gets to this point in this letter in chapter 5, verse 12, where he's going to shift. And it's almost as if he's making his closing arguments for this section. Um, And what he's going to do, and we're going to walk through it, is he's going to compare Adam to, to Christ, all right? And, and so we're going to walk through this text, and we're going to look at that, and we're going we're gonna to notice a few things, and we're going to notice a pattern forming. Um, yeah, and it's going to be fun. Starting in verse 12. Therefore, and the therefore is there for us to, uh, he's saying, all of the stuff I've just said, about the certainty of our condemnation and the certainty of Christ's salvation uh, through his uh, blood and resurrection. Um, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. All right. Stop there. Here's what's happening here. Because um, it seems kind of confusing if you look at it, because here's what it's here's what it's saying. Just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and as a result of that one sin that Adam committed came death, right? And so death spread to all men, as in all humanity, because all sinned. It seems kind of confusing that he would put it that way, right? Because he's saying all have sinned, but he's saying it all started with this one man, Adam. And here's what he's doing. here's what he means by this. He's essentially making the argument that, and, and scholars debate about really how it works and how well it works. but essentially what he's saying, uh, essentially what he's saying is, is that because Adam was our representative, right, and again, we have trouble with this in our day and age, and here's the reason why. We were raised in Western culture, and Western culture is about what? Individualism. We're all about ourselves. We're all our own John Wayne's plowing our own destiny, right? That's how we were raised. That's how we were raised to think. And so this idea of someone representing us and his action giving us consequences, like we're not, generally in our culture, we're not big fans of this. Because most of us would be like, well, yeah, but Adam made that. How about we just go back and how about you let me try? Let's see how I do, right? And that's generally our mindset because we were raised in a culture of individualism. But if you go back to the time of Romans, they would have, the assumption, the underlying assumption is they would have understood this and probably they would have been okay with it because that's how they were raised. They were raised with this idea that this one man, Adam, Uh, his sin essentially represented all of them. And so when he sinned, we all sinned, right? And this morning, as we're looking through this text, and I'm starting us on this road towards the cross, the thing that I need us to remember as we're heading on this road to the cross is that when Adam sinned, we all sinned. We sinned with Adam. Therefore, we are all sinners, which does what? It gives need for the cross, right? And I think as we walk through this text, this is what Paul's essentially going to do. He's going to remind us that we are sinful. He's going to remind us that we need the cross. And what happens so many times for us in our day and age, because we live in a culture that's all about, oh, I'm a basically good person, right? We're all good. We all make basic good decisions, right? And, and the problem with that is, is the Bible, because the Bible doesn't describe us like that at all. No. It describes us as people deserving of God's wrath. <laughs> just can't get around it. And so what we need to be reminded of is that as we're walking through this text and as we're starting this series out on the road to Calvary, because Easter's approaching, and what happens so many times on Easter is we, uh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Cool. It doesn't really have impact on me because why? I'm a good person or so, I think. And so the reason we're starting here is because we need to be reminded that what Adam did, you know, like uh, scholars will debate how it it all plays out, and they debate all the time on this. This is probably one of the most debated parts of Romans. And I haven't even got to Romans 9 yet, but they would say this one is. All right, read Romans 9 if you don't know what I'm talking about. If you do, you know what I'm talking about. But um, in Romans... Romans 5, what what we can see is is that either way you look at it, Adam sinned, and because of his sin, everyone else sins, right? Sin came into the world through him. Some people would say, okay, so in the beginning, uh, Adam was the representative of us, so essentially in God's eyes, we were all there at the fall. We all were Adam, all right? Does that make sense? Hence why Romans 5.12 says, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We, Adam's sin is our sin. Does that make sense? Good. We're all nodding. I actually don't know if you're nodding. People at home, we're nodding? Okay. Moving on. For sin indeed was in the world before... The law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Now here Paul is continuing on, and he's essentially in these next two verses, and in verse twelve, he's setting up what he's about to do. He's about to do some comparing and contrasting between Christ and Adam, and 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 then he. But before he does, he has to go back to the law, for what he's saying is, is, sin was essentially in the world before there was the law. All right. Because back in that day and age, the Jews would essentially have said, there can be no sin, there can be no death without the law. That's how they would have thought. Because all they knew was the law. But they had forgotten that if you go before Moses, there was still sin. And therefore, there was still the consequence of sin, death. Right? But then he explains, essentially here, is that but sin is not counted where there is no law. And essentially what he means is, is that when the law came into the picture, it created a debt, right? At least that's the best way we can look at it. We, we know about debt, right? We're Americans. Most of us probably have credit card debt, right? We all know what debt is. And, and so what he's saying is, is before the law, um, there was still sin. There was still death. But because of the law, it became a debt to us. And here's what he means by that. If you go back and read the Old Testament law, here's what the law says. You commit this sin, you have to pay by doing this sacrifice. You're putting yourself in debt. And therefore, it puts more pressure on you as the person who has committed the sin. It makes you aware of the fact that you were sinful because you have put yourself in a debt that you have to pay back now because of the law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, right? He's continuing to argue. Um, Even... Uh, over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And and so he's essentially setting up what he's going to do in the next verse. And he's saying that sin still reigned from Adam to Moses. Death still reigned because of Adam's sin from Adam to Moses. And so, but what he's saying is, here as well, is that Adam's sin was different. And it was a type that was to set up for the one who is to come, that being Christ. And I guess the best way that I understand this is that if you, if you think of like when we sin, like when I sin, I'll pick on myself. Um, yes, when I sin, I am responsible for my sin. I make my choice. I sin. It's, I, it's my sin. But I'm also influenced by the world around me because death reigns in the world. Sin reigns in the world. I'm influenced by the world and Satan, right? We all are. A lot of us commit sins because other people have committed sins, who have committed sins, who have committed sins. Does that make sense? Not so for Adam. His was different. His was the first. His was the one that started everything off. And so when when he's saying that Adam's sin was different, and um, the reason he's going to compare Adam to Christ was because of this fact, that his sin was different because he started it all. Um, Imagine it. He's in the garden. There is no death reigning in the world. Like if you think about the world we live in right now, just think physically. Death reigns. You kill crops to fertilize to make more crops, right? Death is a part of the circle of life in the world we live in. Not so with Adam. Adam wasn't reacting to the consequences of someone else's sin when he sinned, right? It was different for him. And so this sets up what he's going to do in the next verse, and he's going to start to compare Adam to Christ. And what he's going to do first is he's going to contrast or point out the differences between Adam and Christ, starting in verse 15. And really this is another one of those Paul's beautiful butts in the Bible, right? So he starts out talking about sin. If you go back to like Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, and it says, you know, uh, we're all children of wrath. We're all deserving of, but God being rich in mercy. Like this is another one of these beautiful buts in scripture. And he's going to say, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have uh, have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So, a lot of words. I'll unpack it. I'm packing for you the best I can. Here's essentially what Paul is saying. He is saying that this free gift, i.e. Christ, is not like the trespass. He's contrasting them. He's contrasting Adam and Christ. So if many died, i.e. the whole race, because of one man's transgression, essentially what he's doing here is he's going, how much more than shall the grace of God abound in this free gift of grace that comes through Christ. So he's going, like, we, <clears throat> I think the best way to think about it is, if, if we go, okay, um, Adam's sin seems pretty daunting, right? It seems like because of the, the world we live in now, like, death reigns, right? It does. It does. It's a part of the cycle of life we live in. Um, we, uh, we experience death and decay. I mean, uh, look at, you know, <laughs> look at the uh, coronavirus, right? We're all scared about it because we don't know what it's going to do or we're, you know, everyone's panicking and add social media into the picture and that makes it a whole lot worse. But like everyone's panicking because of this little tiny virus, but it's a part of the death that Adam brought in, and it seems daunting, does it not? I'm using that as example because it's on everyone's mind, the coronavirus, right? Like, I was at a hospital yesterday, right? I took my wife to the hospital. They tried to kick me out. They were like, you need to leave for your safety, and I look outside, and it's like white out, blizzard, and I'm like, you sure you're thinking of my safety? It's pretty cold out there, right? Like, it, <laughs> everyone's freaked out. And it's all they were talking about. I walked to the hall to use the restroom, talking about the coronavirus. I was in Walmart, talking about the coronavirus. I was at school, talking about the coronavirus. Everyone is freaked out about this. Death seems daunting, does it not? Now let's contrast that with Christ. What is Paul saying? He's saying much more than is the grace of God, right? So now we've been looking at the dauntiness of death, Right? We're starting off the road to Calvary and we're going, we're sinners. Adam's sin is our sin. Adam's sin had physical consequences for the world that we live in now. But now we get to look at how much more God's grace is in comparison to the death that seems so daunting to us. Does that make sense? And he's going to do it some more. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, right? So he goes, because of Adam's sin, he got judgment, and we, because remember, we are Adam, we are the same, Adam's sin is our sin, we stand condemned because of this man's action. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Um, So... Essentially, then, he's going, all right, his one act brought death to all, but the many transgressions that happened to Christ, right, if you think of the cross and his his unjust arrest and his brutal death and him having to carry his own cross down the street and all of those many transgressions that happened to him that he didn't deserve because he was perfect, those many transgressions brought about justification. He's contrasting Adam to Christ. And how much more so, then, when we become aware of our sinfulness, when we become aware of the sin that's around us, do we then uh, look at the cross and look at God's grace with much more, uh, I guess, attention and and excitement? I think that's what Adam's getting at. You, You sense a pattern here. He's trying to get us excited about grace. Next verse. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, Right and now he's bringing it back to this idea of this one man's trespass, making death, physical death, reign, and spiritual death as well, reign in the world because of this one man's action, this one man's sin. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. He's contrasting Adam's fallenness, his one action, to Christ's, action, and what are we seeing? Like, (laughs) this should create in us, like on one end, I want you to be aware of the fact that you're wicked, all right? And I want you to be aware of the fact that because of Adam's action, i.e. your action and my action, because Adam's sin is our sin, right, that we need to be aware of that. But what it needs to do is lead us to the cross. It needs to lead us to Christ, and it needs to um, help us see that despite the daunting sin of the world, the daunting sin of even ourselves, right, like I'm telling you, we're not all basic good people. Like I think of even the good things I try to do sometimes. Like if I'm being honest, like I think the other day, uh, you know, I work at the high school, and I'm cleaning and a teacher walks in and she has a big heavy box and I go and I help her oh let me help you with that it looks really heavy and I do a good deed but if I want to be honest in the back of my mind I want her to be impressed with the fact that I walked up and helped her grab that box boom selfish so that good deed was bathed in sinfulness because I wanted her to think I was cool because I was willing to help her right and so we need to be aware of our sinfulness But we also, that needs to lead us to the cross. And and what Paul is doing here, if you notice the pattern, is he's going back and forth between Adam and Christ. And what is he saying? Yeah, death is bad. But grace, man, look at grace. It is so much bigger than that. It's so much better than that. If you believe in Christ and put your faith and trust in him, his grace abounds. 18 and 19. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Now, need to point out that this text isn't calling for a universal, like Jesus died for every single human person ever. All right, The reason that's not the case is because the rest of the Bible wouldn't agree with it if that's what Paul was doing here. Essentially, when he says all men, is we need to remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the church of Rome, and they are full of arguing Jews and Gentiles because they're at a fight with each other. The Jews are going, Gentiles, you can't be saved until you do this, right? And Paul's essentially going, God's grace covers all men. That means all men and women are welcome into the fold if they do what? Repent and put their faith and trust in him. All right. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And again, now what he's doing in these two verses <clears throat> is he's comparing Adam to Christ. Because what you're seeing is is the one man Adam's disobedience brought made everyone sinners, right? But Christ's obedience did what? He made everyone righteous, those who are in Christ. And again, you see this pattern that Paul is, is doing right now. He's trying to, to help us see the gravenness of our sin. Like we need to know that we're sinners. I, I think, especially in our day and age, we need to know we're sinners. We don't like that idea, but we need to know it. We need to be aware of it. Especially like as you grow in your faith. As you grow in your faith and become more Christ-like, the one thing that continues to happen is you become more aware of your sinfulness. You know? If you're doing marriage right, you get married and you realize how selfish you are. And then have kids. It gets worse, right? But all of that should lead us to Christ, and that's what Paul's trying to do. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass. And so now, Paul's going back to the law. And he says, the law came to increase this trespass, this death reigning. It, it increases it because it puts us in debt for it. Now, because of the law, we're in debt. And so that should overwhelm us. That's daunting, right? It's like, it's bad enough that sin and death reigns, and the consequences of Adam's sin, sorry, my sin, because, because Adam's sin is my sin, Right? That's daunting enough, but now I add the law onto it, and all of a sudden I'm in debt for it too. But what does he say? Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so... Um, There was an old Puritan guy named Thomas Watson, and he said, Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Until we taste the full bitterness of our sin, right? And again, we, we can't blame Adam because Adam's sin is our sin, right? We can't blame him because we were there. Until we taste that bitterness, until we see that it's bitter, until we're reminded of that, we will not see Christ as sweet. The gospel will become boring to us, right? Do you ever notice that? Like when I first got saved, I I didn't know what I was talking about, but I still talked about God all the time. Like I was excited. And as years went by, I just, I'll be honest, the gospel kind of gets boring. But why is that? Why does that happen to Christians? It happens to us because on one end, we forget about our sin. Especially if you get involved in a church culture and you come to church and you do your due diligence and you go to Sunday school and you read your Bible every day and you pray. And granted, yes, I snooze a little bit when I pray, but I'm still praying, right? And we do that and then we just, we kind of become passive in it all. And we're not really taking our faith seriously. And so what I'm telling you this morning, that is as we begin on our road to Calvary, as we are headed towards the cross this Easter season, we need to first start by stepping back and going, this is because of my sin. Yes, Adam's sin is my sin. That choice he made on that day in the Garden of Eden, that's on us because he represented us, right? Adam actually means humanity. That's what his name means all right and so on that day that started it all but we were there and we are culpable and we are responsible ourselves for that and we need to remember that and we need to remember that we are sinners and we need to remember also too and we don't like talking about this but that god's not a big fan of sin he has wrath stored up for it but when we remember that how much more beautiful is the grace of god His grace abounds far beyond the sin because Christ came and took that wrath on himself so that we didn't have to. Do you see how much more beautiful the gospel is when we remember the dauntingness and the reigning and the terror of death, right? Like how much more beautiful is the gospel? Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Love that phrase. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to wrap up by... Uh, challenging you, right? Let this sermon serve to you the same way that me losing my cell phone yesterday served me. It reminded me of my, forget. like, I'm a human, right? Let this sermon this morning remind you that you are a sinful, wicked human, all right? But if that's the case, as Paul argued through this whole text, grace abounds for you. God still loves you, and his grace goes far beyond your sinfulness. You can never out-sin God, right? And now, in the next chapter, you know, he'll start off by saying, shall we continue in sin so grace may abound? No. No, no, this isn't an argument to say, okay, well, if grace is so abounding, then I can take advantage of it and go into sin. No, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, is we need to be reminded of our sinfulness today. And I want to challenge you with that. We need to be reminded of the beauty of the gospel in this life. You're going to fall, and he's going to forgive you. You're essentially, if you're in Christ this morning, you're going to get away with everything you've ever done or will do or doing right now. That's how that works. It's beautiful. That's the beautiful good news of the gospel. And you're getting away with it because Christ paid the debt that you owed. And also we need to be reminded that the gospel brings a future hope to us because, like, again, let's go back to this coronavirus scare, Right? Like, a lot of people are scared right now because their God is our ability to uh, use technology and modern medicine to make our lives as comfortable and easy as possible. And that's not happening right now because the coronavirus has stirred everything up. And what is it reminding us of? We're still human. We still don't have all the answers. We still don't know everything. There's still diseases out there that we don't know how to cure yet. And so what are people doing? The coronavirus has stepped on a God and taken it out, and now everyone's freaking out. That's what's happening. But if we put our hope in the gospel, bring it on coronavirus. doesn't matter. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And that doesn't mean don't be safe. You know, continue to just wave and not shake hands this morning. So, um, Remember that the cross is supposed to remind us of our sinfulness in the reign of death, but in that his grace is so much bigger than that. Remember that this morning. Let that prepare us as we enter into this season of Easter. Let this be the reminder that like the cross matters. Don't look at Easter passively. Don't look at Easter as like, oh, I've got to go buy those eggs again and hide them in my yard if I can. There might still be snow on the ground. I don't know. Like, Remember the cross. And remember what the cross paid for. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come together uh, despite weather and storm and hear your word. Um, I pray that you would uh, remind us this week that, yes, we are sinful. Yes, Yes, we are fallen, but your grace is so much bigger than that. And if we are in you, we are good to go. Uh just uh, bless this week and help us to rely on you and be aware of our sinfulness as we enter into this Easter season. I love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a good week.